Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Welcome to this week's episode of Married with Movies. I'm one of your hosts, Samantha Mullet. Sitting next to me on the couch is your other host, my beautiful husband, Chris Mullet. What are you doing? My, you... I have <laughs> these things on my thumb. What? The, I also have something on my thumb. Like for moving the furniture yeah. and stuff. Yeah, like No, I, I've had this for like a week. It's like a oh, little... like a little callus. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, a, like a callus under my thumb. Yeah, no, I was referring I've got to, a bunch of them too. You were like gesturing to me weird and then well, you no, started... Well, no, I have been picking at this and then I Don't was... Don't pick at it. It's going to make it worse. Well... You, you started so matter-of-factly as well. Normally you're, like, energetic and excited. And I get it. We're currently sitting in a disheveled living room. Yeah, and I've, I just had an off day. It's just one of those days where mm-hmm. I just felt off. And everyone's like, what's wrong? I'm like, just feel off. Don't okay. know. Well, how can I turn you on? Meow. That's been all for this week's episode of Married Movies. You can catch us next time on the couch. <laughs> I was just going to let you go. <laughs> you always interrupt me. Don't let me end the show. Huh? What? I'm seeing how committed you are to the bit, man. It is Tuesday, April 19th, mm-hmm. 2022. Mm-hmm. And today will be the last episode ever. What? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Because I hate you. No, um, just kidding. I don't know what to say. I just default to being mean. It's mm-hmm. terrible. I have no idea why I'm letting you drive so much of this podcast right now because you've had such a weird day. Yeah, I've had such a weird day. <laughs> I'm just sitting back just letting you blabber yeah, and I'm like, this is bad not, radio. Well, yeah, and it's also not considerate. Like on a humane level. You just keep talking. Which because not- then if I don't talk, then you get mad at me. You're like, oh, it's dead air. You're supposed to be responsive. Yeah. But if you keep talking without setting me up to say something, a.k.a. a conversation, and you're just like, blah, 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 which is exactly how you sound, then I'm just sitting here, you know, twiddling my dick with my thumb. You would be twiddling your dick regardless. <laughs> Very funny visual. <laughs> it's a guy like twiddling his thumbs but instead of one thumb. It's just <laughs> it's It's not appropriate. I've, I've not imbibed anything today. I'm just in a in a nutty little mood. Uh the reason being is as we talked about in last week's episode, we are so fucking tired with everything we're doing for the preparations of putting our house on the market. Uh, we also are going to Key West next week. So we've been trying to get prepared for that. We're both still working. Very, very busy and important jobs. We have a five-year-old. It was Easter. And ha- Passover. And Passover. Uh, happy all of those things. Um, what do we do since last time you recorded as well? Not much, right? Not much, no. You didn't do anything major this weekend? No. No, just worked on the house and mm-hmm. ran our usual errands. Mm-hmm. Finally started Moon Night. Finally. 
finally. Uh, meh. I'm not a fan. I, it's, well, it's like about like ancient Egypt. It's definitely not your bag. It's it's not my bag right out of the jump. Just I've never been in. You know, I, I blame my fourth grade uh, teacher who loved Egypt, and basically all of our fourth grade was just learning about Egypt. And after like when you're what ten years old, after like month three of Egypt, you're just like, yeah, okay, I get it. It's important. Can we like learn how to multiply or something? Um, but it's not just that. It's not getting too deep into it because we've only watched the first two episodes. Um, I don't know. Just something about it just isn't pulling me in. I like Oscar Isaac, but I don't like the DID like personality stuff. It feels kind of off to me. I don't. I, it's, I, there's just something that it's kind of like Doctor Strange to me in that there's just something about the character itself that I just don't connect with. Um, mm-hmm. So I, the, as we discussed as we were watching it, after the first episode, I was like, meh. And I'm like, well, we got to keep watching it, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, It's like, eventually we got to fucking watch Eternals. <laughs> that everyone in the world apparently forgot about. I know. <laughs> um, but we'll watch the Batman before then. But the next time we record, we should have watched the Batman. Hopefully we'll do that Thursday night, maybe. Friday night. Maybe even tomorrow night. Ooh, tomorrow night's a good idea. No. I'm going to be asleep. <laughs> I'll just fucking watch it then. It's only three hours. It's fine. Um, let's wrap this up so like, we can go to bed early. Where the fuck early. do people get the idea that anyone has three hours to just... Watch a movie? Watch a movie. Uh, movie studios? Directors? Writers? But, but, like, three hours? That's a big commitment. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it, but you know what? But, but mo- like older movies used to be shorter and then they just progressively get longer and longer. Is that going to be like the new standard? No, I... Because you say that, but I've had a lot of long three-hour movies in the last Well, it used to be just years. strictly around like your epics. Like, yeah. You know, like your your biblical movies or your war movies or your historical movies or even your, your westerns. The superhero genre, the problem is they just try to fit so much in, but realistically, if I, not that my advice to the superhero genre is going to matter, <laughs> they make trillions of dollars every year, but like, if you try to maximize, well I guess actually it doesn't matter, I was going to say, if you maximize your screen time in theaters by being able to have multiple showings, shorter run times, it'd be better, but it doesn't matter because we'll just put the movie on like nine screens because there's nothing fucking else to go watch in the first place. So it doesn't matter. Um, So I don't know. Yeah, we'll have that review for you next time uh, by Hook or Crook because this weekend we should have some time at some point between a birthday party and cleaning and packing. Uh, We can fit in a three-hour dark Batman movie. I think that's... I think it's fine. Maybe we'll watch it on a dark night. <laughs> Speaking of dark, uh, or like the the dark palette, well, it's just I can't use the why, C word. Why are you tra- <laughs> I mean, I'm going to have to based on why the movie. Why are you trying to make it work? I have as no a idea. Because I'm a Segway fan. I like Segways. When have you ever been on a Segway? This might be like the ninth time you've asked me this. Have you every ever time, gone on a Segway? No, I've not gone on a Segway. I, I should have like... gone on one. Like the people in the middle of our wedding behind us. We should have gotten married on Segways. That would have been great. 
Yeah, it would have been great spending the night in the hospital. I wouldn't have been there for you. I would have been fine. I would have been enjoying the, the party we had. You guys didn't get married. Yeah, we're still going to celebrate Samantha's in the hospital. You have no rhythm. Woo-hoo! Pleasantville. That's a segue. No rhythm. Pleasantville. Uh, your nominated movie. Yes. If you're new here, we randomly select movies. We nominate movies. We have 19 different gimmicks on how we watch movies. <laughs> we week, have a lot of movies. Uh, Samantha's gimmick is that when she nominates movies, there's no rhyme or reason as to why she nominates them because she nominated this with Mouse Hunt. So I just, uh, I have a list and I just picked two of them from the list. Sure. It's hard to remember all the movies that we have and that we haven't already done for this show. Um, and surprisingly, you hadn't seen this before. I've, I had never seen Pleasantville before. So this is going to be interesting. Sorry, my eyes are, are dry. Blaming the eyes already for why you're going to mess up reading? Pleasantville. Nothing is as simple as black and white. Oh my gosh. That, I think all that up there is like DVD stuff. I don't need to read DVD any of this, stuff, right? Yeah. Just from here? Let me double check. Just from that quote down? Correct, yeah. I want to get into how weird of a DVD this was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. An ingenious fantasy, great fun. Janet Maslin, the New York Times. When 90s teens David and Jennifer, Toby Maguire, the Ice Storm, Reese Witherspoon, Freeway, get zapped into the perfect suburbia of the black and white 50s sitcom Pleasantville, what results is a visionary adventure, Peter Travers Rolling Stone, that Siskel and Eber give two big thumbs up. Pleasantville's perfect people include a mild-mannered soda jerk, Jeff Daniels, Dumb and Dumber, a socially repressed mom, Joan Allen, Face Off, and a father who always knows best, William H. Macy, Fargo. But when 90s pop culture clashes with 50s family values, chaos ensues, turning the town of Pleasantville upside down and black and white into color. Good job. Woo! Nicely done. Thank you. Thank so this you. movie came out in 98, so that's why I'm guessing they try to like be... Be kind of like... Uh, time appropriate, yeah. but even so, Reese Witherspoon and Freeway, that's... Well, I guess that would be, yeah, it's pre-election, pre-cruel intentions. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's what she was known for then, sure. Um, so yeah, so I've never seen this before, so why did you nominate this, or why does this um, resonate well, with you? I think I probably got it stuck in my head because we had just watched the Hot Tub Time Machine movies. And it's a time travel movie. And This is not a time travel movie. Technically it is. They go back to the 50s. They don't go back to the 50s. Well, they, they go in... It, this is like a... Yes, it, but... It's like a, like a, a universal like, well, no, but transposition like, movie. It's not really because they're like people who are from the 90s and they go back to the 50s. It's, it's a edge time travel movie. Yeah. Go I on. would I would... Venture to Agree say. Agree disagree. Go on. Okay. I think that you're wrong. But, okay. <laughs> Go um, on. And I just, I like this movie. I don't know. I've seen it. I think this was maybe my third time seeing it. Um, and I just enjoyed it. It had been on my list for a while. Um, to nominate, just to, to watch it again. Um, and I think it was thoroughly appropriate to watch. Uh, so that was a lot of my commentary. This movie is how old? Came out in 98. So how old is that? Uh, 20, what? 25 years. It's coming up on Yeah, 25 years. Yeah. And it's, you know, some of the social commentary that they made in the movie, some of the 
you know. Oh, it's very prescient still. Uh, allegory and everything. It, it, it was just really, uh, yeah, I just think it kind of transcends a little bit. So I didn't, um, so I didn't know much about the movie. I, I do remember. Except it's a time travel-esque movie where they go back from the 90s. It even says it on the box. Go get it. You threw it over there. Go get it. It so, says there that they're from the 90s and then they go back to the 50s. I'm trying to provide content and you're just being obnoxious as usual. So I'll just ignore you and move on. Um, I knew that it did well at the box office. Actually, I think it lost money at the box office because it was this is a pretty daunting movie for 1998 um, in terms of... In terms of, of technology. I, I believe the, the trivia I saw was this technically had the most amount of like CGI or digital effects frame by frame in a movie until The Phantom Menace the following year, which is crazy for, for, for what it is. Insane. Um, but it got nominated for three Academy Awards, nominated for art direction, score, and costumes. Didn't as, win any. Well. Um, and just knew it as like a movie that was pre- all those movies I said for Reese Witherspoon and pre- Spider-Man. Spider-Man, Spider-House Rules, Wonder Boys for Tobey Maguire before they both became really, really big stars. Um, and when it started, the first like five to ten minutes, I was like, oh, this sucks. Mm-hmm. It just didn't feel, it was, it was a lot weirder than I expected early because it's like them in the 90s with like each of their basically to the nth degree mm-hmm. personality like char- traits of their caricature. character traits. Yeah. Plus also you had like the TV commercial intro about like explaining what Pleasantville. I really liked that. And, well, it put, it put you in like the mode. It puts you in it, yeah. Yeah, it puts you in the mood for like what the movie's going to be. Um, and like you should see the clips, but then you also see like, you know, how shallow and 90s whatever girl Reese Witherspoon is and what like a dribbling dweeb Toby McGuire is, I'm like, oh God, if they're going to be like this, this then like it, they basically felt like caricatures. Right. That, that exactly. Like they, exactly and what then, you said, they're played up to the nth degree. It's like the epitome of that 90s girl and that 90s boy kind of thing. But then like as soon as they get dropped into Pleasantville, which happens thankfully in the first like 10 minutes of the movie. Pretty like, it quick. Wastes, it wastes no time like setting up what the movie is because uh, the whole time is spent in Pleasantville. As soon as they're in Pleasantville, they're, like, not like that anymore, essentially. Like, Tobey Maguire's character, you know, uh, I'll call him Bud, just because that's who his his Pleasantville character is. You know, he is familiar with the show. It's his favorite. He watches all the time. He knows everything about it. So he's able to, like, acclimate and navigate it pretty effectively and easily. But he's still not, he's not being, like, the, I'm not saying Urkel, but closer to, in, in the, the 1990s, he's closer to Urkel than he is what he is in Pleasantville as soon as he gets there. The same thing for her. She's more subdued. She's maybe outwardly expressing how annoyed and how obnoxious the situation is. But she's not like she was, you know, chewing on her gum and talking on the phone mm-hmm. and acting outwardly to her, her crush or the man she was going to meet when the, when the remote breaks. So it was like a rough start for me. I was just like, it's a pretty like brash change all mm, of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, But it, then it gets into things so quickly, and you don't really have an idea of what everyone's deal is yet. So that's maybe my biggest complaint about the movie is 
there's a lot of things that I don't feel like you get emotional payoffs for for some of the characters and people. Or like at the end of the movie when things are wrapped up, it's just kind of like, well, we got into things so quickly we didn't have enough background or character development for those to happen. Particularly with the two leads, with Tobey Maguire and Reese Witherspoon. Like, there's never really that, that brother-sister, like, you know, they connect moment. You don't really see, besides those characters in the first scene, what they're really about and what they're doing. Um, so in the movie, when, like, he goes back and she stays and they have, like, this moment, it's like it didn't feel earned almost. But all the other characters in Pleasantville, all their moments feel incredibly earned because they, to me, even though they're supporting characters, get the, the majority of the focus as the movie progresses. And that's when the movie, to me, turns into a very, very surprising, very, very good movie. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But then don't you think that that's part of it? Because the whole point of them going into Pleasantville was to be this disruption or to be this catalyst for these supporting characters to be able sure. to like complete their arcs. But then I didn't feel like their arcs were completed themselves as our two protagonists. Like, you know what I mean? Like all of a sudden you don't really see why she's now like cultured and likes books and it's kind of changed. The only thing with him is that he stands up to a bully and that's when he becomes you know, color. Well, well but that—that's uh, on top of that, like, on top yeah. of both of them like changing the people around them. Ch- but they change the people around I, them, but then I think it's also to say, like, for example, when Tobey Maguire's character goes back into the '90s and like then his interactions with his, with his m- m- real mom, mom yeah. um, you know, just how the things that happened, the, he. Things that happen, like how he affected the people around him and how they affected him too. Mm-hmm. So he has that different perspective on the, on his mother because of what he had been through with Bud's mom, essentially. Sure, I, I, I get that point and of it. Like I just gr- the growth. I guess of the character. It's a complaint, but it's not really like a complaint that I'm really mind minded based on like where the movie took us because. I guess I was surprised that it wasn't as paint-by-numbers as I was expecting it to be. And in turn, my reaction at the end of the movie became, oh, okay, like, like that's where these characters are going, but why? Because, like, in a, in a normal kind of, like, structured movie, I felt like we'd have that beat where, like, he struggles or they have to overcome something internally where they're not really overcoming anything internally. They're hoping the other characters overcome what they've been living through and how they've changed Pleasantville. So it was just a bit of a, I guess it was just a shock to me that the movie was so advantageous, which was a great surprise. And I was expecting this just to be a PG 13, ha ha, like back to the future time, not time travel, but time distortion. No, like, yeah, fuck you, man. (laughs) <laughs> now you're gonna try the rest of the podcast and not say that it's a time travel. I'm stuck to the word travel the rest you're of my such life. Such an asshole. <laughs> um, uh, that's what I was expecting, and it had so much more to say, and it had so much more to do, and I really, really dug it once it got in, and I was yeah. like, okay, now this is actually pretty good. Particularly, um, the only thing I liked about like the, before they get to Pleasantville was Don Knotts. Don Knotts. It was just great to see Don Knotts. It's like, yeah, look at Don Knotts. He's been dead like 15 years. Yeah, not just here. And he's great in this. I think he's great. He's he's on my MVP list, but ultimately he's not in enough, I feel like, to get MVP. It's good to see him in something like this. Um, But, like, the surrealism and the tone, once they're in Pleasantville, Mm -hmm. just 
is solid up until they start changing things. Well, basically, once until... Basically, so you see Paul Walker's stupid fucking face, fucking which Walker. I love. Paul Walker's another one who I absolutely fucking loved in this movie. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Just, like, and the I perfect would, mix of... Huh? Just like stupid and naive and just white. Yeah. Like if he was in like maybe two or three more scenes, I would really push hard for Paul Walker because I thought he crushed it in this. But like once she, once like, I'm not gonna say she takes advantage of him, but like once she shows him the light, um, and like <laughs> sex become like sex brings out the color, but also, it, I'm glad it also pivoted that it wasn't just that because then it would have basically just been like some, like stupid teen comedy. It's about people's you know paths getting interrupted and people finding that they have choice and options and variety inside of them yes they have it inside of them and like you see through painting and and literature and just freedom of expression how things become colorful um and then in turn the opposition of that i yeah i just of of the the white men getting together and wanting to like stamp that out it's amazing how like and they specifically use art yeah and they specifically use the phrasing of coloreds in in black and white lettering saying that this is not allowed um when there is not a single black person in this entire movie Mm -hmm. uh Purposefully. Yeah. Purposefully. purposefully, Of course, yeah. To to send that message. Yeah. Uh, It it does a great job of showing how ugly people can be because Mm -hmm. of their differences. Yep. Which, as I said earlier, is very prescient in our world and our society. But the way that it's done between the actors that we have in this movie. This cast. This cast is fantastic. Amazing. I have a huge MVP list. Amazing. Um, As I already mentioned, two who ultimately are not going to get there, Don Knotts and Paul Walker, because they're, you know, pretty... Inconsequential, and yeah. for screen time, um, so yeah, that it, it just kind of blew me away what I was what I was watching, yeah, like, especially because of how guarded I was. Like I said, those first ten minutes, where I was like, Samantha, you fucking did it again. Yeah, yeah, but right, and and I think that's unfortunate for this movie because I I think that most people don't give it a chance. They see this cheesy kind of fifties kind of movie with baby face Toby Maguire and Reese Witherspoon mm-hmm. and people don't want to give it a chance but it is full of just like enlightenment and and acceptance and um basically just you know the fundamental like unraveling of this perfect society by gaining knowledge, like it's like one of the oldest stories. Yeah. Um. You know, like the Garden of Eden, right? Like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden with the apple, and there's that scene where, um, Margaret goes and grabs the apple from the tree, mm-hmm. and it's just, I mean, just the allegory in this movie is so beautiful, and everything that you said, like, the distinct like no coloreds allowed, and how. That's used as like this is things that happened, and then all of the visuals of like Kristallnacht and everything, um, scarily accurate, yeah. burning books. These are things that happened. These were things, things that, that were happening, happening and things and that things continue to happen st- will still happen. Right, yeah. and I and it's 
I think they do it beautifully in this movie, but I it's so sad that yeah. 25 years ago they made a movie about this, about stuff that happened within the last 50 years, right? Mm-hmm. And then in another 25 years, like, they're going to be able to redo this movie, essentially, and it's going to be the same. Basically. Pretty much. Um, but I just really thought it was just so well done. The, the storytelling is, is really great, and I'm so glad that you really enjoyed it because I knew, like, you have to get into it. And, like, I think it sets it up so... Um, brashly like you said to show that you know you have to kind of be reminded of this is the current reality and like you know see all like the montage of everybody in the high school and all that and then cut to Pleasantville and like the firemen like there's no like they don't react to somebody yelling the word fire like there's no fire fire. right books don't have words right so i i just you're in your routine you make the same stuff you clean the same stuff right right and then it's just about breaking out of it i took a ap english literature class in high school and this kind of stuff and these kinds of stories are are told so many times but this like breaking the mold breaking out of it questioning like these were my favorite kinds of stories to read and so Mm -hmm. it's one of my favorite kinds of things to watch like this kind of uh theme is is really beautiful it's done well um and it makes you wake up it makes you like look around and say like yeah you know yeah it's definitely done well my my biggest critique would be I already mentioned in the beginning I do feel like it's book ended oddly I wasn't a big fan of the first 10 minutes I wasn't the biggest fan of the last 10 minutes um like I talked about the story doesn't really have much motivation either way for the two lead characters like I talked about it's like so in that moment when like she's going to school and he's going back and they have like this moment where you know he leaves her behind, which is fucking bonkers. And that he goes back only an hour has passed because it's like I guess an episode or two episodes of the show, quote unquote. And his mom comes back. Um, I don't need to see like the like the ramifications of it all because also more so what people are concerned about is what the ramifications are in Pleasantville. And they also kind of frustratingly leave that open ended too mm. um, between not the love triangle but Joan Allen and William H Macy and Jeff Daniels at the end of it. Um, but also, it, it, I don't know how, like, it, they didn't do a good job, like, how it all works as well. So, like, when Toby Ware leaves, like, his mom in Pleasantville and his girlfriend in Pleasantville watch him, like, leave through the TV. So, like, they knew he wasn't from there at that point. Like, the, the how it all works of it all was really, really well done up until the very, very end. And just left me with, like, 15 questions all at once. Like... Well, I think at a certain point you have to suspend your disbelief and, I, and I, think, I, like, they realized these things are changing and, like, they're the ones responsible because they're the ones with the knowledge. Like, they're the ones who start the questioning because, like, in the geography lesson, right, Reese Witherspoon's character is the one who's like, hilarious. what's outside Pleasantville? Yeah. Or, like, what's at the end of Main Street? Yeah. Like, right? So, so. And in the diner and, and when they're really, asking him about the stories Right, that he and knows you don't really and, see any questioning happening until that point you don't really see anybody impart that knowledge into that point Mm -hmm. she shares the knowledge of like sex right and then 
Paul Walker's character shares it with everybody else and then they all miss the baskets, right? So it's like kind of that knowledge is power kind of thing and it's done in different ways, which is really cool because it's not all just about I think the, I, that. I think the messaging in that is great. Yeah. I just... So I think they kind of realized, like they, they kind of woke up to it and realized like they're the ones who, who were propelling the change forward. I think something more explicit would have been better. But then you would have complained about, oh, we didn't really need him to sit down and say, oh, I'm not from here. No, 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 no. I'm from the future. No. (laughs) Because this is a time travel movie. He wasn't from the future. He was from the the TV, not the TV world. Um, Which is happening at the same time. It's it's timelines and concordantly. Um, Yeah, I I wouldn't have, you know. I think also I was setting up for, so the thing I was really mad about at the end of the movie, and this is uh, the second time this has happened to me in my life, uh, a movie ends with uh, exactly how I wanted to end a movie that I'm working on is, which is a female singer singing across the universe. So I was very, very quietly seething in my chair. But aren't you glad that I made you watch this now? No, I'm not. Because Instead now it's either I go forward with it, and it has a, a, a much better meaning in my movie than this movie. Because uh, I won't get Fiona Apple to sing it. I like Fiona Apple. Fiona Apple's very, very good. Uh, You're good, what, Phoebe Bridgers? No, 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 no. Um, Olivia Rodrigo? No. God, Taylor no. Swift? No! God, I said an artist. Um, <laughs> she's she's going to smite you. I just slapped like, like John Am when uh, Zach Galifianakis on Between New Ferns says, Oh, so the Don Draper suit's in the Smithsonian. Huh? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, like the Cosby sweater? <laughs> he just starts laughing as a blooper. Um... Yeah, it just, it just bothers me when my ideas have already been done 25 years in advance, and I had no idea about it, so now I have to come up with a totally different Yeah, but aren't you glad that we did that now instead of after you'd already written the movie? No, I'd much rather have been like, oh yeah, I've just never seen Pleasantville. And then people could either be like, yeah, bullshit, or I'd be like, no, right. I've never seen Pleasantville. Which, had I not seen Pleasantville, it would have been obvious, because I would have given them a totally different idea of what this movie was. Because honestly, before I watched the movie, I thought that uh, Toby McGuire and Reese Witherspoon were like, like gonna be lovers at the end of it. I didn't know they were brother and sister. Mm-hmm. So it also took some getting used to when it started. I was just like, oh yeah, so like they're gonna have to like meet people here for like their romantic interests and stuff. It was it was awkward and weird. Um, <laughs> was there anything you particularly didn't like about the movie? Um, no, not really. Not not anything outside of what you've already touched on. I I just and those are my two big a, ones. There's a, a little couple- bit of a longer leash. Um, for for that kind of stuff, but no, I I think it just all worked together so beautifully, and like the ugly was so ugly, and the beautiful was so beautiful, and I think it just worked together really well, and in an unexpected way. So it was surprising when I first watched it, and I feel like it's surprising every time I watch it. Uh, did you have a favorite scene or or favorite part? Uh, yeah, I I just really love so much of it um i really like the very first time that you see color um in in pleasantville so you know everything is black and white and it's stark contrast to the Mm -hmm. the color and purposefully because what was that the beginning of the movie before it started oh god thank you for reminding me so we put the dvd on this is your dvd from who, who knows how long ago and it says like your tv it basically the message says that like 
it can detect your TV's color settings was wrong, which is a bunch of horse shit. Because DVD came out before Reese Witherspoon was in Legally, Legally Blonde. And it says, like, uh, please yeah. adjust the ratio on your TV to accurately depict the color. And then it has, like, four still shots of the movie that, like, it sets for, like, ten seconds. Like, Tobey Maguire eating fucking food. Reese Witherspoon, like, on the phone and, like, other things. And you're supposed to, like change your computer's color settings so that way the, the contrast the TV, yeah. between the black and white and the color is more stark. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, looks, looks good, looks fine to me. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so I think it was a very stark change and they're in Pleasantville in just black and white for so long yeah. that you forget about the color and then the color's so vivid with just like that red rose, just like that pink bubble gum. Mm-hmm. So I just really like that introduction of color. It looks absolutely amazing i literally looked up so i mentioned art direction score and cinematography yeah. it's the not get dominated for visual effects which is bonkers what dreams may come won it <laughs> that year i want to look up what the other two war- were that's crazy and i don't necessarily know like how that award trended back then if that makes sense like now it's very much a a, a blockbuster yeah. award yeah but, um, yeah, gonna... I like the introduction of the color. I also like kind of like all of the call outs. Like, uh, she goes to the Reese Witherspoon goes to the bathroom. There's no toilets. Right. The, the beds. Are the beds. Like all of like the typical fifties trope. Yeah. Uh, so what dreams may come won, and it was up against Armageddon and Mighty Joe Young. Notably, this was the this came in ninety eight. So no Godzilla. No, uh, I guess Saving Private Ryan was all practical, so it got nominated for enough else. So that's interesting to me that that uh, was not here. But it looks amazing. The, the makeup scene where Tobey Maguire uh, redoes Joan Allen's makeup because now she's found self-pleasure through her daughter and is, is well, not that. Don't say it like that. Well, you know what I meant. Like Reese Witherspoon's explained masturbation to her, and she started exactly. masturbating. Yes, in. as William H Macy pulls a pillow up to his ear uh, and just tries to go to sleep in their separate beds. Typical. Um, that I think that really speaks about what makes marriages work. I have no idea what you're joking or making a reference to right now. Just the woman pleasuring herself and the man trying to sleep. Yeah, that, that sums us up perfectly. What the fuck are you talking about? I wasn't talking about us. I was just saying The way you made it sound. General. I was saying in general. I don't know. Yeah. I don't trust you. Okay, uh, I'm the one who sleeps all the time. Very true. All. Yeah, that actually works. So. Um, and so, like, her not wanting to confront her husband, you know, as this colorful person now, and Tobey Maguire having to do her makeup to, like, make her black and white again was very, very powerful. And then the the, the courtroom scene, like the scene the where they're, scene they're on trial for painting the mural. Up until that scene, I was just like, man, uh, you, this could have been anybody but Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire is fantastic in that scene. I think he crushes that scene. I put him on my MVP list just from that scene alone. He's probably not going to be the MVP of the movie, but he is so fucking good in that He's movie. He's really charismatic. He's very charismatic. He, he brings you in. He brings everybody in the room in. He... He just crushes that scene. And he's got good chemistry with William H. Macy, which I think is he super does. important. And that, that and that scene to me saved William H. Macy from actually being on my LVP list because I like William H. Macy and I thought he was perfect in this movie, but he felt unjustly subdued to me. I think that was purposeful. I think that was character. I, th- I, I, I think, think so, that was but more character. The whole movie, I was waiting for him to be like more William H. Macy because it felt more appropriate. 
for the character. I, and he wasn't. I okay. just expected more from him. I, but I feel like I feel like that's also part of it. Like the whole character traits and how like they're more subdued and then as they become more out of their shell, that's like when the color gets introduced mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I don't know if that I I think it may be more of a character trait rather than like how he portrayed it, but Um but yeah, those those would be my two favorite scenes, besides anything that wasn't didn't have Paul Walker in it. <laughs> um, who literally every single time I just saw his face smiling on screen, I just started giggling. <laughs> <'cause he> was <laughs> um, well, we're already talking about it, so let's let's decide MVP <sighs> and LVP. Um, where do you want to start? Um, we can start with LVP. I think it might be easier. I mean, I only have one other candidate besides William H Macy. Um, it's J T Walsh who plays the mayor. Big Bob. Um, I just wanted something more for that character as, like, the antagonist. Like, I wanted... In these in this movie is, like, the figurehead against the change. You kind of have to be a little bit more over the top, and I think it would have been more appropriate for the time period and the juxtaposition. Mm. And even when, like, he does get mad and, like, he goes into color... Or when he's grandstanding, he just was kind of boring to me. And I, I feel like I'm being mean because it ended up being his last movie. He suddenly died of a heart attack. Oh wow! Shortly after this movie was released, the movie's dedicated to him in his honor. Um, but yeah, he just didn't do anything for me at all in this movie. Um, did you have anybody else? No. You, I, you are so helpful. Can I say that? Like. I don't think you've picked an LVP this decade. No, I did. Well, I didn't like Rapey McRape Rape. That's so... That's so helpful. What the fuck are you talking about? The guys who tried to rape uh, Joan Allen's character. Like, oh, you look so beautiful in your blue dress. I think you misjudged what that scene was about. No, they... You're thinking of us watching West Side Story. No, it's the same thing as West Side Story. When she's in her blue dress and all of the guys come, when Tobey Maguire stands up to the mm-hmm. bullies, it's because they were going after her and they were like, let's see what's under that blue dress. It's exactly what they said. What did you take that to mean? I took it like they were going to beat her up or like no, they were gonna or something. rape her. Oh, I didn't. It's the same exact thing. It's exactly the same thing as West Side Story, actually. There's group of people who say that they hate these colors and then show them who's boss by raping them. Exactly the same thing. That guy. Rapey McRape. Right. The problem is I immediately just counteract whatever you say because you don't even take the two seconds to look on Wikipedia or IMDb or anywhere else and, and explain to me what, what you're talking is. about. It's just, oh, it's this this ridiculous name like, of a character. Oh, it's Whitey. It was Whitey. Yeah. The Whitey character. The, so the one who who was driving the car mm-hmm. when they're like, oh, are you going to the town meeting? He's like, no, wh- why aren't you? He's like, we're rounding people up. I think it's the same character. It is the same character. Okay, so him. Fuck him. I, I also did not like him. Okay, so, so then why, why are you saying all this shit to me? Because this could have been 45 seconds and you could have been like, like me prepared. Like uh, my nominee would be David Tom, who was Whitey. Because I didn't like him in this scene, instead of when like he was raping the rape, 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 and all this other nonsense you're spouting. Yeah, but it made my point, didn't it? 
Eventually. Okay, so. And what? After all, I'm just going to give it to you just to shut you up. David Tom. Oh, he gave two first names. That also didn't help his case. As soon as I saw it, I was like, yeah, it's this fucking guy. Um, because of the script, it makes sense why Jane Cares Merrick didn't have much to do. She, she's one of those actresses that as soon as I see her, I'm just like, oh, it's Malcolm in the Middle. Like, it's hard for me to differentiate. It's like the Al Bundy problem he had for so long. Yeah. It's like, you see him, you're just like, that's just fucking Al Bundy. And then finally he became Ed O'Neill again through Modern Family. Like, Jane Cares Merrick will forever be the mom from Malcolm in the Middle. Um, MVP. I feel like it's very difficult. It's super difficult. So I've already addressed people who it's not, who I still like. It's not Paul Walker. It's not Don Knotts. I don't feel like it's Tobey Maguire. I feel... The problem I have with both him and Reese Witherspoon, like I said, is those first ten minutes when there's not a shred of nuance in their character. And it's just such a, a change right away when I felt like it should have been a little bit more gradual. Reese Witherspoon I thought was very, very good um, when she first takes Paul Walker and, you know, it's not manipulating him necessarily, but... Manipulating yeah, him. Yeah, when, when she's taking advantage of her situation and her surroundings and, and changing things and being kind of laissez-faire about it, I thought she was very, very good in that stress onward. And then she kind of just, like, disappears for a good chunk of the movie. Um, and that's when Toby and the supporting characters really come out. So I wouldn't say it'd be either one of them. Who, who do I you think it's either Joan Allen or Jeff Daniels. Because I think, like, <clears throat> they had this, like, quiet aura that changed throughout the movie. Especially, like, Jeff Daniels. With Jeff Daniels was my vote. repetitive, all the repetitiveness of, of what he does and, and all of the conversations of, we don't have cheeseburgers. I do this and you do this and mm-hmm. I do this and you do this. Or this is how we close. This is how we do. And then just his growth of doing things by themselves and then him being like, why am I doing the same thing over and over? And then why am I waiting one day to paint? It seems silly to wait one mo, to yeah. wait that long for one moment. He had the right energy and tone basically the right immediately. Pickup. As soon as he meets, as soon as he meets Bud, essentially, and you see how almost in a trance, lifeless... With that, how he was rubbing the counter. Lifeless existence he has. And how scared and excited he is at the first differentiation of what happens. And it's it's very subtle. um, And then it just gets a little bit bigger throughout. The art book and his eyes light up and his whole demeanor changes... He was my vote. I it's didn't have Joan great. Allen written down, which is a mistake because I, I feel the reason why is I already had f- four people written down here, yeah. and she hadn't really kicked it into a high gear yet, basically until she until re- she she became color. I think. Well, she starts to like kind of see what's going on in town, and and start to see what's happening in her own life and existence with yeah. William H Macy's character, and then once we talked about. Once that makeup scene happens, she re- her she really becomes the focus, and she has this whirlwind affair with Jeff Daniels. She leaves. That that's another great scene where she's explaining to William H Macy, you know, no, like I'm you, gone. You, I'm I'm leaving. You can do this. You can do that. And then he, <laughs> he goes and is devastated at the bowling alley that he hasn't eaten and hasn't done all these things. Um, so I thought that, she. Was, I thought that was a great scene too because yeah. that was typical. Absolutely. And and I just I especially just, for the time period. Yes, exactly. From that. 
moment on, it really becomes like her story almost. But I felt like it was just a little bit disjointed from the first half. So I, my vote would have been for Jeff Daniels, but I'm fine either way, really. Let's go with Jeff Daniels then. I think he does a really great job. Yeah, I think he I think he crushes it in this. I believe that is his first MVP. He's <sighs> been in he's been in plenty. Um, but obviously he wasn't the MVP for speed because good old Sandy B took that one down. Oh, that's the LVP list. I know he's not there. Jeff Daniels, Jeff Daniels is great. I want to. I wanted to watch the newsroom, uh, but then I realized that I'd probably throw up with everything Aaron Sorkin had to say. So, just never watched it. Uh, what was your favorite? I, I was never a big Nick at Night guy. I was huge into Nick at Night. I loved Nick at Night. I obviously would watch Bewitched all the time mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um. I liked the Mayor Tyler Moore show. I liked Dick Van Dyke. Did you watch anything earlier than like like the onset of television, like this era? Because I don't think I ever did. I know my, my I grandmother. I didn't watch like like Leave It to Beaver. I didn't watch any of that. Same. Like um, my grandmother and my mom both liked I Love Lucy. I love I Love Lucy. Which I watched every episode of is, I Love Lucy. As close as it gets, but all the other stuff like Ozzy and Harriet and Leave no. It to Beaver, like the no. clean cut cut stuff. Like I, yeah. I, no, no, mm-mm. no. I watched really. Nick at Night, so like I Love Lucy. Um, Is Nick at Night still a thing? And they just play like fucking like Friends now, probably or something. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm That's a great right question. Now. But yeah, I would well, there was watch... like a channel at some point. Yeah, it was the Nick at Night channel. It would be on all the time. I would watch it. Well, because well, because like all the Dick Van Dykes, all like for Tatiana, um, who probably doesn't understand it is, and for anybody else younger than our generation, Nickelodeon would stop airing shows for kids at like eight o'clock, right? Eight or nine. Eight or nine. And then starting from there, it, was, it wasn't it like, like it would be... It would be adult welfare. TV, but it would be... Well, wouldn't it necessarily be adult TV? It would be sitcoms. It would still be kind of age-appropriate because it was... Well, the, all, everything sitcoms. back then was... Yeah, G, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it would just be shows from the 50s and the 60s and yeah. then the 70s. I love Lucy. Afterwards, until, the, until Nick Jr. started yeah. in the morning. Yep. Um, yeah. It typically broadcasts from 9 p.m. to 7 a.m. Mondays through Fridays and Sundays and 9.30 p.m. to 7 a.m. Saturday for Snick. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I want to see what the lineup. It was. launched J- July first, nineteen eighty-five, for thirty-six years. Oh, so it's not on. Um, no, it's it's as of right now. It looks like it still is. Um, I'm just trying to find like now. Here's programming history. Nick and I began scheduling. Oh, started at eleven p.m. because kids stayed up later. Um, on June twenty-fifth, two thousand and twelve. Nick and I began airing Nickelodeon programs for the first time, airing reruns of All That and Keenan and Cal. Oh, that man. makes me want to put a finger down my throat. Um, is that how Tatiana knows what that stuff is? I guess. I don't <laughs> know. Um, and then they, they started doing movies as well. And then they started uh-huh. doing original programming. I remember then they started doing that stuff too. And I feel like that's when it kind of like jumped the shark. Um, yeah, I can't really tell. The Wikipedia is not great for it. Um,. Brought branding, commercials, TV land, ratings. But that was just a crazy... I mean, I, I don't see how it would be viable because now you just get Pluto TV and you have a Leave it to Beaver channel. You have a, you know, Three's Company channel. You have, like, all those channels. Yeah, so, so Nick at Night currently airs Friends, 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 Friends. You're friends, kidding. Friends. I'm not kidding at all. That's disgusting. It's the Nick at Night. This is the official Nick at Night website. Is that the channel or is that Nick at Night on Nickelodeon? It's Nick at Night on 
Nickelodeon. Nick yeah, it's Nick literally. I'm, I'm Nickelodeon. Oh no, and Mike and Molly. That's like it's so Frank, new. Mike, Mike and, Molly. and Molly, Young Sheldon, Paw Patrol is the Nickelodeon when it when it starts. Um, oh, it's all on Paramount Plus. You could probably put it all up on Paramount Plus. It's disgusting. And see, but yeah, you weren't wrong. So it's all friends now. So that's great. So here's the current programming. Yeah, current programming for Nick and Knight is Friends, Mom, Young Sheldon, and Mike and Molly. Yeah, so that makes me feel disgustingly old and um, really upset with the world that people can't watch these. But I would either watch this or I'd watch British sitcoms, so... Well, that's what I was going to say. Was that, was, that was the difference for me, was I would watch PBS stuff, like Are You Being Served, mm-hmm. Keeping Up Appearances, yeah. One Day at a Time, like stuff like that, yeah. my grandmother on Saturday nights. Because, I mean, we didn't watch Dig at Night that much... I did. Uh, you might have, but even in general, because like it started at nine o'clock, and I was normally in bed by like nine or nine thirty. And if I was watching it, I was Pussy. watching. Well, I'd be watching wrestling <laughs> or movies or something just else. Kidding. Like it was different. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a different time. It's, it's gonna be weird. Like it's, just, it's so different. It's so hard to access. Uh, no, it's it's not hard to access the stuff, but it's hard for it to get eyes on it when there's you have. Everything is an option. I mean, yeah, and it and like I Jillian think, will never right. know what like all in the family is. You know what I mean? Right. Sure. Some people would say that's probably a good thing, but um. Well, the family's a wonderful show. Okay, Archie Bunker. Um. So, I think the scene of like in the fifties, and I think that's also part of it too. Like in Pleasantville, like there's not a lot to do. Like they had. What one? T- he turned the knob. There's like, three channels. Three I believe. channels. Yeah. Like that's kind of like what our parents grew up with. Yeah, three, like, five, and eight. Kind of mm-hmm. right. And so, but then like also there were no books. There was no, you know, like there mm-hmm. wasn't anything. So people worked on their yards. And right. Exactly. So it's like those are like the bowling. true values, right? Yeah. But and I think it's a great thing that now we're in a place where anything we want to watch is at the tip of our fingers. It. it in a good way and a bad way. It's like yes. it's like knowledge is power and it brings all this enlightenment and brings this color, but then you know, there's also the bad side of the coin. There's also like the, too much. Well, and also it leads into both here and now yes. how access to art and expressionism mm-hmm. and entertainment brings color and beauty to the world, but you're naturally going to have people that don't understand it. And are frightened and afraid of it. Yeah. And are going to naturally combat it because it's not what they're used to. And it's not what they agree with. It's not what they're interpreting it to be positive. And in turn, they are going to fight Act it out. to the nail mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and try to yeah. quell it. And that has been happening since the 50s with Elvis shaking his hips on fucking television. And moms and dads thinking that it was going to immediately impregnate their kids that were sitting there. Yeah. To the 90s when... You had, you know, fucking parent television council saying you couldn't put wrestling and rock Toilets music and stuff. Toilets on TV. Yeah. And then even now, yeah. when the people don't want people of different colors and sexes and races on television right. expressing their stories like, because... Like euphoria. Like, it promotes drug use. Like, it doesn't. It tells the stories that need to be told. We, and even, but, even beyond just that, but just... There's so much accessible, both positive and negative, yes. with entertainment. Yeah. That they're going to be 
people that take stuff the right and wrong way, depending on what they're and to consuming. the extreme. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much. There's such a platform for everything that you can get heard no matter what, and if you have the platform, enough people, unfortunately, are going to believe what you fucking say, mm-hmm. and that sucks. So, uh, yeah, like we said, this movie, uh, this movie still fucking hits. <laughs> this movie hits. It does. It does. I mean, I think they do it really well. Oh, yeah, I used to watch the shit out of Nick at night. They used to have I Dream of Jeannie, mm-hmm. Gilligan's Island. Oh, yeah, Brady Bunch. Brady Bunch, Partridge Family. Yeah, all that stuff. Bob Newhart. I fuck with Newhart. Newhart I love Bob Newhart. Taxi, The Munsters, Brady Bunch. Yeah, Welcome Back, Cotter. I used to watch mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Man, bring back Wonder Years. That's like a more modern. I remember at some Happy point. Happy Days. They're like, they're, yeah, they had like Fresh Prince on there as well. Like, as it got like, like more the, modern at some point. Probably like the late 2010s. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. 2004 to 9 and 14 to 18. I know my shit. Ooh. I was just on the pages, though. <laughs> You're such a fucking dick. <laughs> Anything else unpleasant, though? Nope. No, I think we covered it. You nominated, so I score it first. Uh, like I said, I thought this was such a pleasant surprise uh, <laughs> from what I was anticipating based on just your recommendation. That's so and how it started. unfair and rude. And you don't care about this movie a lot. So, like, right. to, to me, there's always, like, a reason why. Right. Like I said, it gets, like, an unfair, like, assessment, I feel, because... Of, like, the perceived notion of what this movie's about versus what it actually is but about. But I thought it was gr- uh, a funny movie, uh, uh, but still serious. Great social commentary. <clears throat> Wonderfully directed, beautifully shot. I'm going to give this movie an 8. I'm also giving this movie an 8. Yeah. I think it's got a great cast. I think it just, you know, does a great job of being mm-hmm. this vehicle for this commentary like you said and and i just i think that it's beautiful absolutely beautiful the art the color everything in it and and also we didn't talk about uh marley uh marley shelton we didn't talk about marley Wendy shelton. peppercorn i think she did a great job mm-hmm. as well um in it so i just think overall it had a lot of really positives um and i think it's a fun to watch it's not Difficult to get through by any no. means. It's a couple it's two scenes. A, two hours, but it was it was breezy. Like the rapey easy. scene and the crystal knock and everything are, are difficult like for me at least. Sure. To get through, but I don't know why you said that. Like they were like easy breezy for me, but well, they were not. I, it's a different perspective. No, I know. I'm just completely a different perspective. Joke. Um, the director of this is very interesting. Gary Ross. He went on to receive multiple Oscar nominations because he did Sea Biscuit. Hmm. He also directed the first Hunger Games movies. So, he's had a career. Oh, wow. Yeah. He wrote them. Uh, he I, wrote Hunger Games. I mean, he probably at least did the first one. The screenplay for the Hunger Games for Ocean's 8. Oh, Ocean's that was the other one I was going to mention, yeah. Seabiscuit did the screenplay. He wrote Pleasantville as well he as He wrote, directed, it. and produced it, yep. Mm-hmm, it was a directorial mm-hmm. debut. I mean, he's also a writer wow. on Big. Wow. He's a writer on Dave. So he's had, a, he's had a very good career. He has. He's had a very, very good career. He hasn't done much in the past few years, but... But hey, you know that's okay. That's okay. Pleasantville in the books. So as we mentioned last week, we've already started to fudge some of our upcoming scheduling and planning because we paused our guest star series. 
Uh, of course, we have our wrap it up series uh, continuing next week with the Baba Duke, followed up with the movie we should have watched. We are finally going to be watching, which is Midsummer. Then we yeah, have a random movie, guys. Richard Jewell. Fuck you. Then we have um, a special surprise for Jillian that we're going to be watching, which technically is another part of our wrap it up. Uh, so it's my turn to nominate. Look, I've already nominated. Real quick though, I just what? want to say something because you mentioned Midsummer. I want to just publicly say I'm sorry to my best friend, friend of the show, Carly Coffee. Because uh, I blatantly accused you and Tatiana of uh, putting this movie on purpose mm-hmm. uh, at the number one spot in the movie we should have watched, uh, Mullet Poll. And uh, Carly, Carly confessed that she, she did not vote for this movie. And so uh, to apologize for calling you out. and um, Yeah, you're a shitty person and a shitty friend. Um... Maybe she's a shitty friend for not getting more people to not vote for Midsommar. Oh, for crying out loud. So I nominated two movies. You already selected them as we were packing our movies up. Um, This is kind of a pointed selection as well, based on something that will probably be happening in the coming months afterwards. I just was like, you know what? These are probably the two best movies I've seen in theaters over the past, like, five years. And I want to rewatch one of them. So uh, pick your poison. I nominated Parasite and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And you chose Parasite. So we'll be watching Parasite sometime in the next few weeks for the show, which I cannot wait, because uh, I have not watched it in a couple years. Um, but before that, we got to get through The Babadook and Midsommar. The next two weeks are going to be fantastic. Next week, our special anniversary episode, The Babadook. <laughs> That's seriously what our anniversary episode is? Uh, now it is, yeah, because we had to redo our... It was supposed to be this, but we had to redo all of our schedule and stuff. This was supposed to be our guest star show, and then we were going to do Pleasantville. This would have been kind of nice. Uh, now instead, it's uh, the Baba Duke, Or we could do Midsommar, whichever you prefer. Actually, we should do Midsommar first. Let's do Midsommar first. Nothing could be as bad Absolutely as that. Absolutely not. You should rather watch the Baba Duke first. I'd rather not watch either of them. You both, you have to. I said this was going to be the last episode. So uh, didn't this, I say that at the top of the so show? So this weekend, after the house has been cleaned and everything's ready to go, we'll watch Midsummer. And I'm going to puke everywhere. I can't wait. I'm going to throw up everywhere. I'm going to have another panic attack. I'm going to have to take the entire bottle of Xanax that I have. I used that. I uh, use your freak out to hereditary to convince uh, Tony to watch it because we were doing. Um, uh, the 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 movie world was called Framed, and a couple days ago it was Hereditary, uh, and it, which it ruined my entire day. Um, so you, me, and Rich all got it in the first frame. Tony didn't get it all because he'd never seen the movie. And me and Rich were like, "Dude, you gotta see it." And Tony's like, "Man, I don't fuck with demon possession movies. Not because he's scared of them. He's just like, I just think they're all lame." And me and Rich at a hard sell was like, "You have to see this." Movie. And you told him that I and I was like, Tony. Sam, they're not Sam's either, and Sam literally had a panic attack that she had to call her mother for after rewatching. He goes, okay, I'll watch it. Yeah. So he's oh, going to watch this sometime this weekend, I believe. And so Awesome, thanks. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much. Uh, but until then, uh, until next week for Midsommar. <laughs> Please don't make me do it. Oh, it's, you have to honor our... <laughs> Didn't you say that it's like scarier than Hereditary? No, 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 absolutely not. No, it's definitely not scarier than Hereditary. I think you're a fucking no. liar! Pinky promise. If Pinky promise it is not scarier than Midsommar. I no, yeah, you did what? Huh? <laughs> what? I promise you that this is not as scary as Hereditary. Pinky promise, right now. It's not as scary as as. You need Hereditary. to be more specific. Midsommar is not as scary of a motion picture as Hereditary. I don't think I trust you. All right, fine, fine. Okay.
Be scared in advance. I'm trying to calm you down, but it doesn't fucking work. Thank you for listening to this episode of Married Movies. We encourage you, as always, go to arcadeaudio.net for this podcast and the others in our network of shows. Rate, review, and subscribe every podcast. Patreon.com slash arcadeaudio for bonus content. Facebook.com slash Married Movies at Married w Movies on Twitter. Married with Movies at gmail.com. Let's know what you think of the show. For me, AROSmalt38 on Instagram. For you. At Jam with your Sam. And also for me, arcadeaudio.net slash podbloggle for my retro wrestling diary. This week it's the big one, Bash of the Beach, 1996. Goddamn. Hulk Hogan turns heel and joins the NWO. Is that, is that all that happens? We say, oh, no, it's a fantastic show. Oh, oh. But that's, that, that's all everyone's ever going to remember for that show ever because it's the craziest moment in wrestling history, possibly, up until that moment. Anything else? For mullet. What? Huh? 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 What? What? For mullet. This is mullet. Signing out for this week's episode of Married with Movies. We'll catch you next time on our couch. Slash the movies. You know why Midsommar is not as scary as Hereditary? Because there's not a noise that I can make. Oh, yes, there is. Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.